The Scottish Mortgage Podcast Invest in Progress is back. Join the managers and their guests as they go behind the scenes of some of the most innovative companies of our time. Companies like Climeworks, who are pioneering technology to remove carbon dioxide from the air. Or Zobi, who are at the forefront of a new era of aviation developing electric air taxis. Or Aurora, who are building software so that trucks can drive themselves. Hear from the leaders of these exceptional businesses on their vision and what the world could look like if they succeed. Available now on all major platforms. Your capital is at risk. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Advice Show. I'm Zach, a reporter at New Model Advisor, and welcome to NMA's Roundup of the Year. I'm joined by Chief Reporter Nicola Blackburn and Data Reporter Alicia Hagopian to go over what's certainly been a roller coaster year for all of us here. Guys, how are you? How was the year? Very well, thanks, Zach. I'm wearing a very jingly Christmas jumper. Yeah, well, that sound so, means it's Christmas. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does, don't you think? It does. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, just apologies in advance for um, for any excessive jingling being throughout. The I entire noticed the office episode. doesn't actually have a Christmas tree, which isn't ideal. I don't think that's also true. Yeah. Well, now it does. It doesn't. I think we used to do. <laughs> did we used to do competitions with advisor Christmas trees? There was one this year, but I'm not sure. There is one. Stay, keep an eye on NMA this week. Well, yeah, keep an eye on NMA this week. To see if you've won. To see if you've yeah. won. What's the prize? A bigger bigger Christmas tree? I think glory. Glory, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've seen some on Twitter. I've seen that some advisors have really decked out their oh, offices, really? actually. Our office is, is a bit barren yeah. at the moment. Yeah. When it, well, if anyone's listening and anyone wants to chuck us a cheeky bribe for like a Christmas tree or some decorations, <laughs> please do, because the office is quite barren. <laughs> Um, but it's been a, you know, it's been, as we'll discuss, it's been a bad year financially, financial wise in terms of the markets, which is why we have a barren office for Christmas. I would imagine. <laughs> that's <laughs> um, why. Yeah, that's why. I see, I see, I see. Um, anyway, I guess we should maybe go into it and start the podcast unless we just want to talk about decorations. Um, so first of all, I want to ask each of you how you guys have individually found this as journalists. It's Christmas. Let's talk about each other. Um, Alicia, start off with you our data reporter. Can you just talk to us a little bit about your role and what you've learned during this year? Yeah, um, thanks, Zach. So it's been a really, really interesting year for me. I feel like it's been a busy year for CityWire in general, but this was my first year. Coming up on 15th of January will be my one-year anniversary at CityWire. Um, So everything this year was really new for me. Everything was was a fresh start. Um, And... I mean, well, I've really learned a lot. I think I've learned a lot about the industry. Um, joining as a data reporter as well, there's a lot of, there are there are a lot of new skills that I've taken on and people have been so helpful and kind and informative. And I think something that really surprised me about my experience this year was just how willing people in the industry are to share their perspectives with you and educate you as a, as a younger individual trying to learn in the industry. And I really do appreciate that. I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of advisors, especially are really willing to talk to you and uh, spell things out. Um, and that's great for someone who's new in the industry. And, you know, as as a data reporter, there's there's been a lot of interesting, there have been a lot of interesting things to look at in the industry this year from, you know, consumer duty, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about, to salaries, to gender, and it's been great, you know, working on all those things and really getting a snapshot of the industry. Have you found that there's been, um, you know, looking around as a journalist, and of course, data is massive for IFAs, 
Um, but just as a journalist, have you found that there was much to go on before you started? Have you found that it's been that a lot of people are gathering data for you or has it been a bit of a challenge? Um, I think it's been definitely a mix of both. I think that I'd really like to you know, thank all the asset managers and platforms, for example, that actually go out of their way to create new data sets, you know, whether it's for publicity reasons or not. I think they actually have access to some great information from advisors and harnessing that is really useful for everyone in the industry. And, you know, in addition, what's been great is that there have been a lot of platforms, especially that have gone out of their way to help me with whatever requests I may have and to learn a lot about the industry. And that has been just so useful because advisors look at that and that's something they're really interested in. And something I'm sure we'll talk about is, for example, private equity database. Something like that hasn't really been done before. I did a piece on a snapshot of networks across the UK and that really hadn't been done before. I mean, comparing different networks, their profits, their number of advisors and these kind of things, they're not that difficult to do, but I think they're so valuable, especially, you know, in the modern age, you know, want to want to know what you're buying, what you're, what firm you're joining, you want to know more than just their PR, really. Mm. Nicola, what about you in the investment space? I know there's obviously been loads of changes um, recently. Yeah. Have you things, seen things calm down at all? Calm down. Yeah, a little bit, actually, Zach. It's, I mean, again, it's been an interesting year in investment markets because, I mean, it always comes back to those, like, powerful um us stocks doesn't it the the magnificent seven which whatever they're doing the whole market seems to seems to do and they had a really incredible broadly speaking first half of the year and then things kind of um you know settled down a bit in the second half and so some you know that like that just infected affected all kinds of portfolios really i'd say more from the business side of things in our space um, I mean, it's just continued to be a really incredible time for MPS um, gaining assets under management. They are just, you know, taking over the market, really. Um, and it's crazy to think that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, advisory portfolios were kind of the go to um, consumer duty has massively shifted that mm. um, massively shifted a, a, a move towards MPS. Um, and you see, you know, all these all these new providers growing very fast in that space. You see big providers like Vanguard, which I might talk about later, offering custom model portfolio services to firms. Um, so that's probably been a really interesting trend in the investment space. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's really interesting to hear, particularly what you're saying in terms of sort of things sort of coming down a little bit, um, but yeah. sort of settling into a rhythm. Mm. I mean, I've certainly seen in the advice space um, that we've had so much consolidation um, that we're now seeing a bit of a slowdown. And mm. to be honest, um, like you mentioned this earlier, we'll talk about private equity, um, but that's a trend I see not just in private equity as well, really, just in consolidation generally yeah. is a bit of a, a bit of a slowdown, a bit of a lot of firms who bought uh, a lot of businesses and now sort of slowing down on being like, okay, have we integrated these properly? Yeah. It's those kind of buzzwords we have heard to the last couple of years of, you know, integration and client cult, uh, sorry, um, advisor culture and all of these things, but it's really been hit hard by the implementation of consumer duty. And we'll talk about how that's also changed a lot of firms' business models as well, yeah. um, which has, you know, been massive in I the think, advice space. I think we should add here as well that people are still saying that we're not going to, we're not yet seeing the impact of interest rates that have been really high for a long time and that impact is going to start to roll into the picture over next year um, by many accounts so the impact of that on businesses particularly ones that have like acquired and gained a lot of um, new business in the past few years 
could be quite scary, but certainly very interesting to watch. So I just wanted to add that. No, it's very it's kind of not over, you know. That's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're all still uh, dealing, I think, with the fallout of the sort of mini budget last year. Um, and, and trying to settle, certainly from an inflation interest point of view, trying to settle things down after that. Um, you know, I just want to uh, briefly go over um, some political events last year. Um, you know, we had, um, you know, this hope, well, he would hope the first full year of, of his government, Rishi Sunak. Um, and we had that spring budget ages ago. And that seems like a lifetime ago, <laughs> where Jeremy Hunt had his first sort of thing as chancellor of, with the adults back in the room. Um, and it was this thing of politics should be boring. It should be expected. Uh, we don't want to scare off any investors. We are the opposite of what Liz Truss was. Um, and you've almost got Labour sort of parroting that same message really of trust us, we'll be fine. Um, I, I went to the Labour conference uh, a couple of months ago, in fact. They were doing the same message and, and Keir Starmer said openly, um, you know, I've spoken to people at the C-suite level. I've spoken to loads of CEOs and they've all said, just tell us what to expect. Mm. and so i think the message <laughs> is firmly look we're on solid ground now um yeah so i think i think that's i think that's just been obviously really interesting this year yeah um, people just want a bit of stability and predictability yeah, yeah i think so it's been a massive year i think for the regulator um and of course the biggest thing um was the implementation of consumer duty the long-awaited implementation mm. of consumer duty i believe yes. someone's idea was to have a countdown on our website for it which we should have i think yeah it might have uh, been slight overkill yeah. maybe like it looks like it's town onto the apocalypse which probably isn't the yeah. message you should give yeah. to the regulator yeah, 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 but yeah. um anyway yes so we're reporting on facts yeah, yes and yes. there will not be an apocalypse yeah. <laughs> but i wanted to i wanted to get your guys thoughts on uh the duty itself um what you think um advice what you think um advisors thought about it pre-implementation what you think they now think about it post-implementation whether that's you know changed at all i definitely think that you know we it is too soon to say what might happen on the negative side but actually because you know it came into effect in july i think we actually looking back did see a lot more changes than maybe you'd expect quite early on because especially the larger firms the ones you know who i guess are supposed to lead by example because they knew that they'd be the first targets if they weren't meeting those requirements they actually made some pretty substantial changes yeah and um i think that that will actually shape um the advice industry in quite a big way i mean you Nicola just did some a piece on some research from Schroders mm. and we've been looking at some next wealth data as well but I I'd definitely say that you know the majority of advisors are now charging much lower fees um than they were this time a year ago so mm. I, I think your piece said that it would that many advisors were charging below 0.75 yeah, so, yeah, yeah 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 and then exactly. i mean if we look a year ago or two years ago we're not going to be seeing that and i'm sure the advisors would have said well we can't possibly go lower but i guess maybe they can go lower and it'll be interesting to see you know how that drive to the bottom actually affects the industry because you know maybe going lower also means that smaller business can't yeah. thrive i mean it, it's just going to make a really big impact and i think it's not just advisors i think we've seen like Aberdeen and other providers mm. firms like yeah. that um cutting their MPS fees cut, you know platforms yeah. cutting platform fees and all of this is you know it's not just about the price but it's really mm. about are you, is it worth it to pay that high price because you know for example transact i mean 
don't want to toot anyone's horn, but we get consistent sort of messages and information from advisors who say, well, we're willing to pay a bit of a higher price for Transact and it mm. is worth it. So Transact can maintain a slightly higher mm. fee than other platforms, but who knows if that will last. But I guess the point is that it's not just about the price, it's about the value. And probably advisors were looking at some of their services and saying, actually, I don't think that is worth that price. Yeah. But yeah, that's how I see that consumer duty has made some sort of impact so far and you know i'm sure one of you would like to talk about it as well but st james's place and their exit fees i think that's a huge change and you know maybe wouldn't have been on any of our bingo card for this year no no it wouldn't have been and obviously that's massive you know for as long as uh certainly since I've been working here, it's always been um, a massive topic um, of, of controversy for advisors, mm. really, in talking about SJP and their exit fees. A lot of them saying it sort of ran contrary to um, the FCA's implementation of, of RDR and transparency of fees. Um, and of course, they scrapped them. Interestingly, um, of course, SJP scrap them uh for existing customers uh, for new customers sorry so uh for existing customers they'll still have to pay exit fees and they only come into effect even then the second half of 2025 mm. so we did uh we got a lot of reaction from the industry and i remember a lot of people saying well um why can't a lot of people just wait two years uh before mm. they go to SJP because otherwise they'll have to face exit fees potentially. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, certainly I would agree with you, Alicia. I think that um, canvassing opinion, certainly from advisors at least, um, a lot of them did not think consumer duty would have the impact that it's had. No, it's, it's, it's funny because when you said that about um, the biggest firms and us seeing like monumental changes from them, that really struck a chord with me because I was thinking before, that from, you know, like the, the FCA has cracked down on the bigger firms and not as much, you know, we haven't we haven't heard as much from the top 100 IFAs that we speak to about changes to their fee models and things in light of consumer duty. But you're, you're totally right. I mean, the impact that we'll see with them is maybe more than going to be in the preceding years when the like role models, quote unquote, of the industry are doing the changes first because they're probably the ones that are going to be targeted first and also they they are supposed to be paving the way so mm. um so maybe maybe that's more to come in terms of the 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 you know smaller independent advice firms that we talk to yeah um and um of course this is um you know the legacy of british steel um is sort of slowly slowly fading now um but this year saw the fca um go after a lot of those firms caught um you know acting irresponsibly well yeah i think that this year the fca has really well, started to go after those british steel firms and particularly individual advisors which mm. i think is quite interesting and probably a a bit of a, um, a message to advisors across the industry that you as an individual are not exempt from you know sort of the consequences yeah. of your actions yeah. um and i think it's interesting to see the level of fines uh, one in particular is the fine against darren reynolds uh for 2.2 million pounds <laughs> which if you think about it for an individual i mean that is really huge and yeah. the level of the damage that he did was was much much greater than that so you know it's probably fair enough um but it, in other cases what's interesting is that there were some you know really high fines that were dropped substantially mm. um and you know that poses another question of if you're fining an advisor 2.2 million for example but 
very few advisors may have that money after yeah. all the you know legal fees that they've gone through so yeah. uh, it, i think it maybe might be more of a a message in itself than mm. an actual attempt to recoup funds because you know in many of these cases which is extremely unfortunate you have people who are misadvised on 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 db transfers but the value of their pension is far higher than these people are being fined and in in a few cases the fscs payouts in in one case for example was about you know eight hundred thousand pounds and the two advisors were fined about sixty thousand pounds so it doesn't really mm. make up for that either but it's just something i think that mm. has to be done and i think might we might be seeing more of that i wonder if this is a model that the fca might use under consumer duty but i think that you know in and of itself the british steel case was you know quite serious and maybe more yeah. of an anomaly but it's interesting I, I feel like these fines also beg the question of like as well as you said with some of them already but are, are any of these advisors going to pay these millions of pounds in in fines that the fca has issued and if not like what's the process from the fca to pursue those advisors because if the advisor can't pay it won't it just fall on the fscs anyway and i is darren lloyd reynolds is that Darren, Darren Reynolds, yeah. Is, is Darren Reynolds going to pay that fine? And of course, another massive uh, piece of work we had was our private equity leaderboard, um, which we updated a couple of times this year, um, which, yeah, was massive for us. And it was fantastic to see all that data from all 34 private equity-backed firms just in one place. Um, it's certainly got a great response from the industry. Yeah, and so this was an exclusive piece of NMA data that you both many many piece many pieces of anime data that you both worked on so how number one so you guys obviously worked out that this data was not readily available and therefore citywide new model advisor had to make it so tell me about that and tell me about where you started how did you go about collecting this data um so i think that i mean yeah i mean first of all it was that thing of us realizing that a lot of this data wasn't out there and you know looking at our data it's not mind-boggling stuff it's you know mm -hmm. the um the number of advisors growth uh and you know we're just seeing the size and how these firms change right um but ultimately we realized that a lot of these private equity backed firms uh, don't disclose this data so it was it did require quite a lot of legwork from us really so how many advice pe backed uk advice firms did you contact how many emails did you send <laughs> uh, so we sent emails to all of them um, and we uh so so 34 okay wow. um to all of them um but only a few got back and we just had to piece the rest together um but yeah so the the um but once you get all this data in one place you get some great conclusions which mm -hmm. is essentially that the growth is still there and the growth is fast but it has slowed down and there are a number of reasons for that i mean namely debt um and sort of life cycles coming to an end basically mm -hmm. um but yeah alicia it was it was it required a lot of legwork didn't it it did require a lot of work legwork especially you know so the first time that we all did it together was at the beginning of this year and i think it was really interesting experiencing how many of those firms did not want to engage with the media at all which i guess in itself is a media tactic and i i think that that's interesting we've also seen you know a, a few firms added to the list but i think it's been really just very engaging to sort of track this movement and track that growth and see the sort of spikes and dips and see you know another thing that was in, of interest to me 
um, following these firms is how once private equity investment gets in, there's often a you know movement from the private equity backers to the board or to executive positions. I think that must be a really interesting change from the inside of these private equity backed firms. And I'd love to hear um, more about that. I thought it was a good, it was a fantastic piece. Um, and also, you know, really interesting to see the amount of them that are for sale now, you know, um, perspective, uh, we broke as an exclusive in May that they were kickstarting a sale process. Um, you know, I know Sinvan, uh, True Potential's private equity backer is considering uh, selling part of its equity. Um, it's interesting to see where this is going to go and how far private equity's got to go in this space. Cause you know, as ever, opinion differs depending on who you talk to. I loved um, breaking uh, the open work was looking for minority investment. Um, and to be honest with you, the reason that I loved breaking it, um, which is, I mean, OpenWorks, a great old network to sort of talk to and write about. Um, but the reason I loved it was because of that process of being a journalist, which is that um, we got the scoop, we went to them. Um, and a lot of firms, you spoke earlier about media tactics. Uh, a lot of firms will seek to sort of control that story and will react to you. But it very much, as a journalist, it very much feels like you are making things happen because you speak to them, they say, oh, well, we don't want misinformation getting out there. We want to make sure it's accurate. We want to make sure it's fair. Here's an interview with the CEO. So you actually feel like you're getting quite a lot of, you know, you're talking to them specifically about this thing. Um, so that was quite interesting. Um, and also OpenWork has an interesting um, sort of network structure as well. Um, but to be honest with you, the biggest thing I was proud of really, um, and just because it affected a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, pensioners, a lot of sort of vulnerable people really was, um, I had, it was my story about um, defined benefit pension transfers. So this was the news that um, Capita essentially demanded a million pounds worth um, FDB transfer money back from members. What happened is they calculated these transfers. Um, they then paid out this as a lump sum payment to a lot of pensioners who wanted to cash out their pension. Um, then years later down the line, they said, oh, you know, that calculation, that money we gave you, yeah, we messed up. That was the wrong amount. We, you actually owe us, uh, we actually should have paid you this amount. You need to pay us back the difference now. Now, this is kind of ludicrous because, you know, years later down the line, that money is nowhere. That money is invested in houses. That money is gone. That money is, you know, given to grandchildren yeah. or whatever. Um, so it's kind of insane. It was also interesting for the advisors because obviously the advisor has then given advice based off that pension, in that pension transfer value, which is now incorrect. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole host of questions, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I love doing that because um, it was a, a big investigation that just took a lot of work out. But um you know this we're talking about a, a value we're talking about over a million pounds so it's a lot of money to a lot of people um and we saw at least 17 cases between nineteen thousand pounds and eighty thousand pounds that pensioners were asked uh, for that back so that was really interesting for me um yeah that was a great story zach Nicola, I just want to talk about a couple of your stories throughout the year as well. Um, I know you did this massive investigation into um, Rathbone's advice network um, with our former reporter, Chloe Melly. Yes. Hi, Chloe. If you're listening, she's definitely not listening. Um, yeah, so back in February, so yeah, this was a story uh, very briefly about... Um, advisors who are within the Vision Financial Planning Network, which is owned by Rathbones. Some of the, some clients got in contact with us who, who were quite confused because they realized that um, Rathbones were essentially charging this kind of third fee within their, their um, fees for, for financial planning. Um, and it was called a due diligence fee. 
Rathbone owns an unregulated business that purports to um, do due diligence on a bunch of investment providers uh, and the fees for it were pretty hidden um, to advisors and clients and we've certainly never seen this kind of these kind of charges from another investment pro- provider before. So read that story um, and expect you know a lot of confusion from clients and advisors. Um, it was a it was a really really complex and technical but really interesting investigation. And how did you get started on that? Um, we had to ask Rathbones and Vision a lot of questions about can you lay out these charges? What exactly does this business do? because we couldn't find all the answers from the business's website. Um, and, you know, we went into their accounts as well and looked at how much profit this business was making. And the numbers are mm. huge. <laughs> like, mm. and, huge. I'd, and I'd certainly recommend checking it out as well, because it's one of those that is, um, you know, obviously it's about a specific case, but the topics and themes are kind of ever present um, because you've got, you know, a, a sort of, lack of transparency over charges you've even got advisor incentives in there yeah and questions about independent advice for sure for um, sure so yeah I'd, I'd highly recommend um checking that out alicia would you like to tell us about a big story for you this year yeah i mean i was thinking about it earlier when we were preparing for this and obviously it's been a very long year it's it's hard to remember what i did at the beginning but i actually think that one of my best stories was right when I started about a month and a half in where I looked into Scottish widows pension transfers that were being delayed for months at a time and even you know a year in some cases. I think that was really interesting because it was a really good introduction to the industry and sort of from a more consumer facing perspective, which is always interesting, but it also, you know, uh, we got a lot of exclusive information from Scottish widows on that one, so that was great. Uh, and it was interesting to see what advisors had to say about their experiences with Scottish widows via their clients. But also what I couldn't have known at the time was that it sort of feeds into a lot of issues that we're talking about now with platforms, which is those huge transfer delays mm-hmm. and the sort of the the discussions about, well, when you're putting money into somewhere, there's never really a delay when you're trying to take money out there seems to be all these sort of hoops that you have to jump through. And I think that we're seeing that both on the provider side, for example, in this story, but also on the platform side. And I think that's something that is probably going to shift in the next year, I'd I'd think, because I think advisors particularly are really not happy about that and not happy also that, you know, they feel consumer duty is maybe shining a light on them, but not the poor service they receive from these providers. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was an interesting one. I also think, just on a different note, mm-hmm. something that I'm really proud of that we did this year, Nicola, you know, in addition to the network story that I worked on and the private equity story is we worked on this ESG podcast series and that was a really great experience. Firstly, working with Nicola, who has, you know, so much experience Aww. and knowledge and Ditto. such a great person no. to work with. But also, you know, it was just so really engaging and fun to meet with, you know, people from the FCA, but also just such great people in the ESG investing space who really actually think outside of the box and are so willing to sort of share their experiences. And that for me, I mean, was really great. And I think that the final product is really fun to listen to if anyone wants to. Definitely a three-part series. Yeah. um, Speaking to a lot of advisors about ESG. And Nicola also was across the pond talking to some advisors in the US. Yes. Which we didn't even talk about, but that was an interesting <laughs> thing from this year. Nicola's summer in the city. 
<laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, that's its own podcast series, Nicholas Adventures in the City. In in New York, yes, indeed, indeed, yeah. Which, but I think that leads us nicely onto our most kind of fun and interesting stories from the year. Um, shall I start with? Because yes. oh, mine is do. from New York. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All oh, that perfect. Look at the segue. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that segue. Um, so, when in New York working for CityWire over the summer, uh, I was there for three weeks. I've was very lucky to visit BlackRock, the BlackRock HQ in New York City. Um, and the whole experience of it is my interesting story, to be honest. It was like you had stepped into the future and everything was immaculate. Every It was as though everybody was very well-behaved. <laughs> talked about how much they love working for BlackRock. But I went to an investment presentation and... Um, the presentation was so it was for journalists i might add it was um about their outlook for the coming year and what macro themes they thought would be big one of which was ai you know this was in june after the most incredible six months for the stock market mm. and the ai you know providers and innovators um and they talked about the green transition um not not esg because larry fink um in an angry letter um said he would use the term esg so about a week later they were talking about the green transition um <laughs> but it was so it was a really interesting talk but i was just so struck by how perfect everything was and there was just this one point in the middle of the presentation where one of the blinds behind the speakers the the floor to ceiling blinds started acting up and one of the blinds started going down and then it started going up <laughs> and it started going back down again. And you just knew that somewhere in a in a room, someone was trying frantically to fix the blind <laughs> because it was just this one imperfection in this completely kind of pristine environment, you know, that was like the, this trillion dollar, the world's biggest asset manager. So it was just, it was a, it was an out of this world experience. Futuristic. Yeah. yeah. Futuristic experience mm -hmm. um, that I won't forget. That is um, bizarre. Are you saying that the city wire New York offices weren't so pristine <laughs> and perfect? <laughs> it, they were wonderful. They were. Look, let me, t let me, t we'll talk about the snacks after this. Okay. Zach, okay. the snacks were something else. It was a, it was a great place to work. To be I fair, loved we it. Do quite well for snacks as well. We do. We do. We do. Um, Zach, Tell me about something crazy that happened in your year. Um, well, it wasn't, if I can just try and sneak in and yet another story into the <laughs> It wasn't so much a moment. Um, uh, it was more, it was more just a wild story, which yes. I just found a lot of fun writing. I think particularly as a football fan. Um, so basically this was the story um, about um, a feud between two top IFAs um, and the Scottish football club Partick Thistle which I should have researched before this podcast. I don't know how well they're doing. Um, at the end, all I know is that at the end of this story, they weren't doing very well. They lost five nil that weekend. Anyway, um, so yes. Uh, so this was about a feud between two of them. Uh, and essentially it was over advertising rights. Um, so Alistair Creevy um, essentially sponsored Partick Thistle. His, uh, his firm Spectrum Wealth IFA in Scotland sponsored Partick Thistle. Um, and Douglas McCrea, who uh, runs McCrea Financial Services, um, basically wanted his sponsorship removed. He claimed to have an exclusivity arrangement with the club that only he could sponsor the side um, and that uh, Alistair Creevy couldn't. Um, and essentially, they had a massive feud about this, a massive bust up, um, which led to Alistair Creevy being, for well, he would say he was forced out of the club, but it led to him leaving the club. Um, anyway, I... 
I kind of like this story because it was it was quite catty. Um, <laughs> it was quite silly in a way. I personally, I found it quite silly writing about it. Yeah. Because it was, you know, Alistair Crew put in a lot of money into, they're both fantastic IFAs. Um, but I just found the story from an outside perspective a bit ridiculous. Um, and also I think what was really interesting to me is um, talking to sources uh, in Scotland um, talking to, to IFAs in Scotland and a lot of them telling me that it's quite, and this is why I think I found it quite funny as an outsider, which is because even though it's a massive market, actually everyone kind of knows each other. Um, a little bit like the school playground, which is mm -hmm. kind of what this story felt like. A lot of history, like. yeah. A lot of history going on. I mean, this is just, you know, a football board dispute and uh, one person having to leave. It's a big thing. Um, but yeah, I just I just found it um, a very fun story to write. Um yeah, I loved it. You wrote it well as well. It was it was quite yeah. humorous to read. Thank you. <laughs> it was interesting. I also think like yeah, you're right because it's a huge industry, but regionally, obviously you know the other IFAs yeah. in town, and I yeah. often find that I'm talking to IFAs and they're bringing up someone who you know works nearby. But that was a definitely a very funny story. Actually. Yeah, well, I've, I've often uh, to be fair, I, I said that about Scotland, but to be fair, it's the same in London. I, I've I yeah. found myself talking to contacts and I've been mentioning a source, and they've said, oh, I know that bloke or whatever um it's been quite interesting yeah um i guess alicia it's now your turn to tell us um what crazy thing has happened to you this year um i wouldn't necessarily call it crazy and i'm sure i have remember some things after this but we were just talking earlier about this this one experience i think you know going to conferences as a journalist is always very interesting experience you know citywire hosts some great conferences have been to some great ones this year but there was one in particular where you know, I, I came in, I didn't know anyone at, at the time and I sat down and this was the timeline conference, just to shout them out, timeline MPS. And I wasn't really sure what to expect, you know, a few talks by people that we've heard speaking before and just very abruptly at like 9.30 in the morning, a mariachi band bursts into the room. <laughs> <laughs> and starts coming down sort of the aisle and it was truly a, a, a sort of a monumental experience I mean I was I'm not expecting it at all everyone was in shock I think it definitely woke everyone up and then you know the mariachi band was around for all of the day they'd you know appear in a corner appear somewhere else and then actually in the afternoon um Abraham Okusanya who runs Timeline at some point broke into song in the middle of his sort of presentation oh, yeah. about Timeline he began to sing uh, My Way by Frank Sinatra. And there were definitely, brave. yeah, it Very was brave. brave. And <laughs> he was choice. great. And a lot of advisors were loving it. Some advisors were, I think, nervous that they might be expected <laughs> to do karaoke. But it was, it was definitely a memorable day. And, you know, Karen Brady also was there. Um, football's karen brady yeah, yeah. <laughs> i didn't know she, she got she asked was, about i think she got asked about west ham as she well did in, yes in the... she couldn't really answer many questions but she was very impressive that was it was a monumental day and i i don't know if we're allowed to promote <laughs> conferences but i would definitely say go to timelines <laughs> it will be a lot of I fun that, i think that's okay yeah. it's so funny because um you know we talk loads about the advice profession having this reputation of being like the stiff upper lip why can't we get younger advisors in so then you have loads of conferences that are designed to just go in the extreme the opposite yeah, um, so like true. i remember next gens as yeah. well was very fun but very like they hosted that in like a club in liverpool <laughs> really um, one of my friends went to the university of liverpool and he said, oh, are you going for your conference? I said, oh, I'm going to this place. He was like, you know, that's where we were like raving until 5 a.m. <laughs> um, in Liverpool. I was like, what? 
Well, that's um, what you've got to do to get the young planners. Oh, yeah, we've got to get them in. <laughs> Sounds a bit like the citywide Christmas party. It does, but um, the less on. said about that, the better. Yes. Um, you know, we don't want to make it too explicit on this podcast. Um, and I think, <laughs> and I think, and I think with that, um, I think it's time to round this up. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining me. You've been listening to... Yes, thank you. I mean, that interrupted me there, but the jingles, it's Christmas. You've been listening to the Advice Show's Roundup of the Year, featuring myself, Chief Reporter Nicola Blackburn, and Data Reporter Alicia Hagobian. For any questions, please feel free to tweet us at New Model Advisor or email us at nmateam at citywire.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Have a very Merry Christmas from all of us at New Model Advisor, and we'll see you in the new year. The Scottish Mortgage Podcast Invest in Progress is back. Join the managers and their guests as they go behind the scenes of some of the most innovative companies of our time. Companies like Climeworks, who are pioneering technology to remove carbon dioxide from the air. Or Joby, who are at the forefront of a new era of aviation developing electric air taxis. Or Aurora, who are building software so that trucks can drive themselves. Hear from the leaders of these exceptional businesses on their vision and what the world could look like if they succeed. Available now on all major platforms. Your capital is at risk.